0: We didn't believe in MVPs back then. We spent the better part of like two years to create the platform. A subject like e-learning, it's probably something that you cannot really do an MVP. Probably you can, but at that point we, we didn't believe that we could do it. We ended up creating the whole platform. Learning is a deep experience. It's not like a small, you know, a small product where you can measure if it works just by having a few interactions or let's say a few days of usage. You need to go deep our understanding of how deep this should be, we were envisioning a whole world, hence the name of the platform LearnWorlds. I'm Panos Kiosos. I'm co-founder and CEO of LearnWorlds.
1: This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead. A team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lampart. Today, how Panosiosos got fed up with today's learning solutions and created the best online course platform around. All this and more on Code Story. Panosiosos and his co-founders go back 25 years or more They all studied computer science together in Greece and did their postgraduate studies on educational tech. His hobbies have been on pause for the past few years given the growth of his business, but his main passion is his family and his 8-year-old daughter. They are building a 3D printer together and tend to create using lots and lots of Legos, including Lego animation. His family helps him to see the power of learning and recites that learning is something that no one can ever take away from you. During their postgraduate studies, Panos and his co-founders built many products in the learning space as they were crafty and could implement the things they were imagining. During their time, they shared the passion to create products that impacted the masses and enabled them to learn better. They wanted to do so by focusing on the creator. This is the creation story of learn Worlds.
0: LearnWalls is an online platform for creating and selling online courses. In the old days, we might have called it an LMS, a learning management system, but now things are much much more easier to to use. This is a super user-friendly platform that allows anybody, whether they're a professional trainer, somebody with an audience, somebody who just knows something and is passionate to teach uh, that, that subject. It allows them to create their online courses, usually with videos, but also text, assignments, assessments, certificates, anything you can imagine, create an online product, an online course, and even share it or sell it to a a broad audience. So one can also say that we are a Shopify for online courses, a super user-friendly platform where you can just create your online business in a box and sell courses to a global audience. We built our very first e-learning platform I think we started building it in 1999 and launched it sometimes at some point in 2000. We created many many e-learning products as part of our postgraduate studies. We were also quite crafty and hands-on, very well, very good developers. I might dare say for that for that period. So we were able to implement the things that we were imagining could exist. Uh, so we started experimenting, creating things. We were playing with the very first web technologies back then, things like Ajax that like started happening and interactive pages and JavaScript and all this stuff. So we ended up creating some pretty amazing little products but in a Greek university, 20 years ago, we didn't have any guidance about how this could be converted into a business. As we progressed and we were, and we let's say we completed our, our PhDs in a, in a couple of years, we always had this itch about creating products that would be massive, that could help hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people to uh, to learn better. Why not? And I have to say that. We were quite dissatisfied dissatisfied I might say it also a bit pissed off about the state of e-learning platforms that's 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 not something that we we didn't like the platforms that were out there in many cases e-learning was considered to be something like throwing a PDF at somebody now you have been trained online that's not how we work that's not how we learn when we when we learn in our everyday lives we want to interact with the content we want to interact with our instructors. We want to interact with the uh, with fellow uh, students who are on their same path with us. We, we want uh, interesting, interactive, engaging experiences, especially youth today. People play with their iPads and their tablets and their gaming devices. You cannot just give them a boring 20-minute video and say, OK, now you have been trained. That's not how it works. How it works. So I guess the, a deep dissatisfaction and the, and the sense that even a, a bit ambitious, that we can do better. We tried to do something a bit different. We wanted to empower the actual trainers, the the teachers, those that know a subject and they're passionate about the subject. It can be just something like a hobby, like photography or music or knitting or... Uh, gardening or something like that, or cooking, or even a professional skill, something that you would like to know in order to advance your career, get your next job, get your next promotion, whether it's data science, web programming, marketing, data analytics, uh, finance, uh, whatever. So that became the core of, of our effort, how to create a platform that would allow you to create the most amazing course that you could ever build, based on your knowledge and also to sell that to share that with with vast audience and also make profit out of that uh, of that course Th- that became the the focus of our effort how to empower professional trainers individual trainers and creators to create amazing online experiences learning ex- online learning experiences and uh, and also make a living or make a profit uh, out of their of their knowledge
1: Tell me about the MVP, so that first product you built. How long did it take you to build, and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life?
0: We didn't believe in MVPs back then. So we, 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 we spent the, good, uh, the better part of like two years to create the platform and a subject like e-learning it's probably something that you cannot really do an mvp probably you can but we we, we, at that point we, we didn't believe that we could do it so we ended up creating the whole platform learning is a deep experience it's not like a small you know a small product where you can measure if it works just by having a few interactions or let's say a few days of usage you need to go deep and our understanding of how deep this should be we were envisioning a whole world, hence the name of the platform Learn Worlds. We wanted to create worlds of learning. And this is the, what we tried to put into the platform is all the tools that we imagined the modern learner needs in order to go deeply into a subject. So it's not just a bunch of videos that we put one after the other. That's probably something that you can find on YouTube. But there are so many things that we need in order to engage deeply with the subject and be satisfied. There are obviously different ways that we learn. Not everybody is a visual learner. Some prefer video, some prefer audio, some prefer text. You also need a community where you can safely interact with in, in a safe, uh, supportive environment where we, you can interact with uh, fellow learners, others in the same path, let's say, than you, or in the same stage, others being a bit more advanced, and you get help from uh, from uh, from some people that are more advanced, or how to interact with the, with the students. So we ended up creating a full-fledged platform, not an MVP. Another thing that we didn't believe in, but back much back then, is that we didn't believe in actually testing it with actual users. So we were, I guess, in stealth mode for two years. We built the entire platform. We had a very deep sense that we were doing the right thing and building the right platform. We didn't measure it, so I guess that's a part arrogance of how we thought that as scientists we understood what we were were supposed to be building, but also. Ignorance, I guess. We were a bootstrap company, scrappy, no money, no budget. Uh, We were just, it was a side project back then. We were trying to find hours during the day or weekends to to work on the product, uh, improve the product, try to see, to do some kind of business development, understand who could be our potential users. Uh, try to approach professional trainers and celebrity developers or people who were creating blogs around the subject uh, and who could potentially teach. And, and we were trying to lure them into, into use the, the platform or in some cases we were approaching people that were already teaching in places like Udemy and we were asking them to give a, a shot at our platform and try to see if they can create an amazing platform, an amazing online course. Could we have done that with an MVP? Potentially. We learned a lot during these two years in how to build the product and uh, what things were were needed uh, and what not. Some of of these uh, learnings became obsolete when we faced the first customers and the first actual users. So we had, in in many cases, we had to, uh, to change a few things. We are very happy that we obviously survived that phase. There are so many businesses and ventures and startups every day that uh, die much faster than two years, let's say, building a, a, a product, the, the first version of a, of a product. They, these were two amazing years of learning, even under scrappy conditions. You know, with uh, we were a remote company, a remote team back then, and we still are working hard, trying to make uh, the best, going deep in some cases, deeper than uh, than needed uh, but always with a with an obsessive focus on the learner experience and how you can create the best possible product that's always uh, that's always at the core of the of the of the business
1: that is a unique way to approach it with the 2 year stealth mode building the entire platform but but I kind of get how you arrived at that then so so you've got your MVP. 2 years over, you got your MVP and it's working. How did you progress the product from there? How did you mature it? And and I think to give context to that question, how did you build your roadmap? How did you decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build?
0: it wasn't an mvp it was probably a, a, a maximum valuable product at that at that moment and, uh, and i'm saying that because once we started facing actually users we had to pair back and, and prune trim a few of the, of the features that we had in the platform so at some point it was too complex for, for some of the users so at that point what we were missing was, was not the product we were missing customers so we had to go out approach people and get actually actual users to start using the platform and launching uh, online courses. Th- that happened under quite difficult conditions, we're talking here about 2014. Europe, a huge financial crisis uh, all around us especially in Greece where we were based let's say we tried to, through our contacts and our networks to approach large Greek businesses and uh, uh, professional trainers who simply couldn't care less. It was a very difficult time. Nobody was investing. Nobody was uh, thinking that uh, training is important. And that's probably one of the best things that happened to us because we failed locally, so we couldn't find any local customers, so we had to go to the US market where we're seeing online courses were already much more mature, people were launching courses, platforms were being created, dedicated platforms for uh, launching online courses and selling online courses or people were trying to bundle up uh, different plugins and try to, to make something like that. First, we launched the school in uh, in Greece, it was a, a great school but even the market at that at that stage the e-commerce let's say landscape was quite uh, primitive so in some cases people didn't have credit cards or couldn't do online transactions so they were sending us an email asking asking us if they can post to us like 10 euro by post an actual note of 10 euro note in order to give them access to the course so that that was obviously not a an environment where an, an e-commerce platform SaaS platform could uh, could operate while in the us things were obviously much more mature so we started finding a few customers who were already using other platforms or were trying to find a better platform they were really impressed by the level the, how deep we had gone into online courses and how beautiful the platform looked for them. Some of the features were a bit heavy for them so they couldn't make make use and this is where we started trimming back some of the things that were working in the platform. But they really started buying into that vision of LearnVaults about how you can create... Not just a bunch of videos that just uh, like you can access in a serial way, uh, in a linear way, but also a lot of tools that students need, a community where they can just go in and discuss uh, ebooks assessments, and all this little stuff. But we were also missing things, especially we were missing lots of uh, features on the e-commerce aspect. And this is where we understood and we decided that we need to obsessively focus on what our customers telling us are, are telling us what they need so this is where we started we we put the the scientists let's say on, on the on the back burner effectively we locked the scientists away and we started listening to people who had already sold courses in the past so they had done that we we had never managed to do that in a, in a large scale and we started listening to them what do they need why do they need certain features and we, we were still a scrappy startup of like five, six people coding day and night. And in some cases, we were delivering features over a day, like we were learning something from a customer. We were trying to find the solution, a solution the same day or the next day. So not much of, uh, let's like say, coding uh, safe uh, procedures and, and processes, not much of, of QA. In some cases, we were just releasing features uh, rapidly, one after the other, with minimum testing. But we were getting better very, very fast. So the, the platform was improving. New features were being released. Uh, People were seeing that we were trying to be accommodating and to give them new features and solve problems that they were, that they were facing. So we started to become better. And as I mentioned, also in some cases, we, we had to simplify some of the features that we had planned. So while we had a huge roadmap with lots of stuff to 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 build on the e-learning aspect, effectively, we paused that and we started building all the things that we were missing on the e-commerce aspect, because it's not enough to have the best possible online course. You also need to be able to sell it. That's how people will make money at the end of the day. So you need to be able to help them in selling the courses or managing the sales, the invoices, the admin, let's say, around an e-commerce business. So we started learning from customers. Our customers became effectively co-designers uh we always had let's say the upper hand in how the pl- the product should look like from the e-learning aspect but we understood that we had to listen very very carefully to what our customers were saying about the the rest of, of the features and this is how a great balance evolved to that day we do still see and have understanding and we're still involved in research projects and know how ideally let's say in an ideal world e-learning should look like but we also get hundreds if not thousands of feature requests per month from actual users and this is where we try to, to talk with our customers directly every day we our product managers and our uh, even uh, even the co-founders we talk with customers we try to understand what they want to build and why and then we put it back into the into the platform so we we stay to the to that day have to this day we have a very fast pace of, uh, of evolving the platform and releasing new features.
1: Let's switch to team. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you?
0: In the beginning, as a bootstrap team, we were also quite desperate. So the people that we could reach out to were students from our university, people who were just getting out of the of, of the school and they, they were trying to find fe- to find their first job. And this is probably one of the best thing we ever did. That we trusted uh, people who didn't have the experience. We couldn't hire. We didn't. We couldn't provide you know a proper competitive salary to a professional. So we had to find people who were just coming out of a, of a uni or were just working on a side project. We managed to get some of those uh, around. They became better just like the product these were our first hires people who had never done this job before professionally Uh, like these are not people who would be hired by let's say a u.s startup or a a business or a more established business so they could only work for us that was the best thing that ever happened to them and to us in 2015 2016 the the economy is in a huge crisis youth unemployment is at around 50 percent Probably the most well-educated generation of Greeks with, uh, uh, with uh, university degrees and master's degrees, you know, and traveling around Europe, excellent at languages, but they were operating in an environment of uh, 50% youth unemployment. We managed to attract some of them, uh, to, we trusted them with their first job and their first meager salary, but still, it was something. And, uh, and these were the people that passionately devoted their work and their their effort to the to the business and this is how we started becoming uh, better after a couple of years obviously like in 2018 2019 we started hiring professionals established professionals who had worked at similar positions so we started getting a bit more senior people who were able to also elevate the, the the level of everything that we were doing from the product side to the marketing side and uh, and and this is how we continue to this day so now unfortunately we have much less time and capacity to bring in young talent who could uh, evolve with us the, the competition and the pressures of keeping of going the, getting the business forward are much stronger but these people are the ones who initially who were able to, to, to save and propel the, to, to bring the business forward. And hopefully we will reach a site again where we will be able to again bring in a young talent and have them work side by side with us and learn from us and, and become amazing professionals.
1: Let's flip to scalability then. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or have you been fighting this as you've been growing?
0: If somebody is telling that they're building something to scale from day one, they're either lying or they're making a huge mistake because you cannot scale something or build for scale something that you don't know how it would look like. So we didn't build for scale. We built things that were working. We always had in mind, because I guess probably our computer science background and experience, we always had in mind to avoid like huge bottlenecks or to... We had scalability, let's say, at the back burner somewhere, at the back of our minds, but on a more theoretical level. On the practical level, we were doing things that uh, that were working at the time. I think it's Paul Graham who mentioned that do things that don't scale we were doing all the things that didn't scale so just to give you an example when we initially when we started to 2014 when people wanted to to get a free trial of the platform we didn't have an automated way to build the free trial so we had a form uh, people were coming in there uh, they were uh, entering their email and uh, school name They were getting an email that were saying that your trial is being built. We will send you an email very shortly with credentials to access your trial. Do you know what was happening on the background? We were getting a message in a Slack channel and my co-founder and CTO Fanny's had to go in, clone a few databases by hand, change a few DNS uh, records, generate a trial. Then he was notifying me and I was sending an email to the person that started the trial to give them the actual username and password to log into their trial so as you can imagine we were doing that by hand so we were waking up in the morning like seven eight a.m and we were seeing that we had a crop of like 5-10 trials overnight and uh, we were struggling like striving to to create the trials and send them to to the users doesn't sound very scalable but that's what we were doing. Not that we didn't know that we could, that we could automate. Obviously, we, we, we knew that. But there were so much more important stuff to build back then in the, in the platform and in the, in the code. So we could live with that. We could live with that uh, unscalability. Until we couldn't live with that so at some point yet that became a priority and we created a super automated way to create uh, to create trials and uh, immediately like in a, in a few in a couple of seconds uh, give access uh, to to users to that uh, to that trial. In some cases, we probably lost lots of time by building things that were not scalable and we had, obviously, lots of technical debt or organizational debt, but I guess that's part of, of building anything that is, that is worth it. Over-optimization can kill any endeavor, not just a startup, but any endeavor. Uh, we, we manage to live with that kind of debt. When we have the time, we try to pay back some of that uh, debt. That's, uh, I guess, how we work to this day.
1: Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: Our team, uh, that's, that's the most important stuff, our, our team. So even if we, somebody I don't know deleted our code base, having that team around would really make me believe that we can do everything better from scratch, faster, and more efficiently and, and create a, a better platform. A startup or a scale-up or any kind of business is not determined by the things that we know now, or how much investment we got, or how much uh, uh, how much runway we have, or money in the bank, or anything else. The eventual success is determined by how fast we learn and how fast we adapt to the situation. And I guess COVID is the best example that somebody could give about that. Nobody could predict the changes of that such a cataclysmic event could have on everything we do. On the ways, on the way we work, on the way we socialize, on the way we consume, on the way we learn, on the way we live. So those that adapted faster to that situation were the ones who were able to make the, the best of it or at least to not get harmed. So this is also, you know, it's, it's also one of the things that people, some people don't get right about uh, what Darwin was saying about. It's not the strongest that survives, it's the fittest. It's uh, the, the little mice that managed to, you know, to survive the, the meteor that, uh, that blasted everything, that blasted Earth. So having a team of uh, amazing, uh, talented, uh, ambitious, uh, smart people around that's the, the best thing that you can have. And you can keep hoping that you can keep learning and keep adapting and keep finding better solutions faster than the than the others. That's what can uh, keep a, a business or any kind of worthwhile endeavor going forward.
1: Well, let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: So, some of the mistakes we, we do is because of how the business grew in the past couple of years uh, amid COVID. We are also a remote team, uh, so that creates uh, some unique conditions on how you need to communicate with uh, with people and uh, how you help them out where they're, when they're under pressure and perhaps you don't realize because you're you know you're jumping from meeting to meeting. One of the mistakes could be not being able to you know over communicate. And make a remote team feel that is uh, part of, uh, you know, it's it's a full part of everything that is happening in, in the business. That's something that in the past, before COVID, we were able to solve by meeting frequently, traveling, doing retreats, and and all this stuff. In the past couple of years, it has been impossible under this uh, under these conditions. And also that everybody is well, you know, the well-being of employees that work around us, that everybody is uh, taking care of. Uh, That's something we are worried we probably uh, as we were growing and hiring we tripled in uh, one and a half years we tripled in size and because of COVID we hadn't met about 60 or 70 people that we had hired in the business that's a tough thing to to do. So in that process we probably lost a few key co-workers where we could have a a great uh, match. Probably, that's not something that we could have fixed amidst these these uh, COVID-crazy conditions, uh, but that's something that we really hope we can do much better in the future.
1: Well, what does the future look like for the product and for your team?
0: I guess, lots of hard work. The entire e-learning industry is now uh, undergoing an extreme transformation. Obviously COVID acted as a huge catalyst in everything that was happening. We don't really believe that the things that we see now, at least in our area, are brand new and just came uh, out of the blue. We mostly see that these were trends that were already happening and are now accelerating and have accelerated uh, probably irreversibly e-learning was already there in a a very large uh, to a large extent remote working was already there there were businesses that were doing that we have been doing that since 2012 when we started the project becoming independent escaping nine to five and the daily grind and doing a side project and creating you know your own side business all these things that were already happening before and nomad workers you know and all this stuff but obviously now they're becoming the the default also in the education sector the lifelong learning the decline of traditional academia people not being willing to go into huge student debt in order to you know get a degree that they would possibly not be able to cash in on that uh, degree or that knowledge again all these things are now becoming much more uh, uh, mainstream so we don't really know what the post-COVID state of e-learning will be. We see more and more that learning, that uh, the default mode of learning is e-learning, and we want to be part of that solution. We believe that our vision of how learning could be is much closer to how people will be working uh, uh, will be working in the in the next uh, in the next few years. I'm not saying that we will be the only ones. Obviously, there are many amazing businesses and uh, some very hugely talented folks working on that same problem but we do believe that the future of e-learning is not the you know the traditional monolithic learning management system that is there to please mostly HR and admin and not the actual users. We do believe that our way of offering an amazing, engaging, interactive online course platform, our way of, of doing things will be much closer to what people will need in the future. And with our team, we hope that we will be able to deliver that.
1: Well, let's switch to you, Panos. Who influences the way that you work? Name a CEO, CTO, really any person that you look up to and why.
0: We're, I'm not following so much what happens in other businesses you know and prominent CEOs so I will not name any you know the the bezos and the and the masks and the, and all these people. obviously they' everybody like seems to be super talented at, at what they're doing. I have to say that I'm super influenced. In a positive way by my co-workers every day whether it's my two co-founders who have been amazing in this uh, in this uh, trip for the for the past life trip for the past uh 26 years that 27 years that we've known each other's each other uh, also uh, our amazing co-workers and always for me uh, an inspiration uh, has been my father who was also an educator a, a teacher working on uh, on special education, also with uh, for for kids with uh, special education needs, uh, a, a passionate uh, scientist and uh, and researcher and uh, pedagogue. Uh, so that's uh, that's also always and also hard worker. That's always a source of, uh, of of inspiration. So it's mostly I guess we're mostly influenced by the people who are around us and we see and work with them every day.
1: We talked about a mistake but a little bit different spin. I'd be curious to see where you go with this or if you go with this but if you could go back to the beginning what would you do differently or where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: As a general I guess comment here is that I think everything we do is part of our journey and is the reason that it brought us to this day so i wouldn't like to change anything even if it was a mistake so that that's part of us and, uh, and now and part of the of the story of the business and us as uh, let's say founders workers uh, parents or whatever so uh, that, that's a, as, a, as a general as a general comment obviously there are lots and lots of small stuff that we would like to to change but I also understand when it comes to business that even some of the mistakes that we did they have you have to do these mistakes so I when we were building the business originally we were you know we were reading all these articles about how you're supposed to be doing a business to launching a business how you're supposed to be doing an MVP. And then you're supposed to be doing customer development, and uh, you know all the methodologies and all this stuff, and how you should be doing this and how you should be doing that. But unless you make these mistakes, these teachings don't really mean much. So we, we learn about this stuff. So you know, in theory, you know them, but once you make the mistake, that's uh, that's something that then you really you really know. It's like kids you with fire. You know, you tell them that like, this will this burns you tell them you have to explain them but the first time they get burned they really got the, the message obviously you don't want them to get burned you know badly but in some cases you have to make your own mistake so i'm, I'm of that generic school of, of thought on the actual specifics of the business i think we could have gone uh, we could have looked to, to the u.s market much faster uh, uh scale back a bit of our some of our ambitions on the e-learning aspect and work much more on the e-commerce uh, on the e-commerce side of the of the business so uh, at that point we could have probably I don't know went much harder for uh, for funding trying to get funding and be able to hire a few more people on the marketing side that could propel the business uh, much better because even at that point we were great scientists and developers we had a great product but we weren't a good businessman we couldn't sell that product very effectively even if the product had obviously uh, mistakes all the all the products have so working more on the sales uh, and the marketing of the of the platform or being better at that uh, instead of uh, focusing too much on the on the product the, the, this is a balance uh, i would sh- change slightly I, I guess i would tilt to the to the other side but hindsight is 2020 so uh, even the way we have been have become now as a business and the, the way the product has evolved i'm uh, i can i can i'm super happy with everything we've been through and how we ended up to this place today
1: so last question panos so you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: Probably, again, continuing on the, on the same path, I would say that probably the the last thing he wants is advice from, uh, or she wants is advice from somebody like me. I, I really believe <laughs> that you need to make your own, your own mistakes. So it wouldn't make sense for him to enter my own shoes or to to learn from my mistakes and i really believe that you have to make your own mistakes and it's not something that uh, that you can pass on uh, to, to to another person for me the the biggest learning from uh, from all the from all these past experience is how little even little improvements on a daily basis how they compound and this is where if you can become better every single day, like 0.1% better marketing, better coding, I don't know, better nutrition, better uh, fitness uh, regime or whatever, all these little things compound. So very, very soon you will not be able to to, to realize how big something can uh, can become. It's the same about the product, it's the same about the marketing funnel, it's the same about the team, how powerful a team uh, ca- can be. I would, like a few years ago, I would have never imagined, right now LearnWalls is at about, where about 110 people and growing, hiring aggressively. I could have never imagined having such a team of amazing people working for us and being able to do so many different stuff so, so uh, in, 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 su- in such a way. This is th- something that you have to live every day, you know, and all these little additions to the team, to the product, to our experience, all these little things can add up and can create something that is unrecognizable after after a few months of growth. When you haven't seen that happening, you cannot really uh, understand it unless you have experienced it at least, uh, at least once, even though obviously you read about it and I'm making the same mistake by explaining how it works. You, you have to see it, but uh, you have to also trust that this can be done, that, so uh, that this uh, little daily improvements on everything we do can create something very, very important and meaningful and substantial.
1: I love it. Lapanos, well, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Learn Worlds.
0: Thank you, Noah, for having me.
1: And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com/codestory for just five to 10 bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.